riot, rainbow riot, rainbow riot. Radio. That's the distinct sound of the Dykes on Bikes opening the 2018 Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras, just like they do at Pride Parades all around the world. What many people might not know is that Sydney's leather-clad motorcycle-riding lesbians once played a critical role in protecting their gay brothers during one of the city's darkest periods. I'm Shannon Power, and in this episode of Rainbow Riots Radio, we'll hear how much, just like during the early days of the AIDS crisis, it was women who stepped in to save the lives of gay men. In the late 1980s and early 90s, gay men were being viciously attacked, murdered and disappeared at alarming rates in Sydney. When the police did nothing and the gay community was living in fear, the women of the Vixens Motorcycle Club decided to patrol the streets of Sydney to keep gay men from harm. Nora Savona was the Vixens' former press secretary and she tells us exactly how scary it was to be a gay or lesbian person in Sydney in the 1980s. From 86 onwards, I started hearing about these gay murders that were happening with monotonous regularity. And it was too, you know, gee, this is really unusual, you know. This is, this can't be suicide because, you know, they were all, you know, the police didn't care. The Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras celebrated its 40th anniversary this year. But what many people don't know is there is a dark history to the world-famous parade. Forty years ago, Sydney's queer community marched down Oxford Street to celebrate and protest for gay rights. But police soon surrounded them and a scene of chaos ensued. Many protesters were beaten and thrown in jail, where police beat some of them further. That fateful night on June 24, 1978, would go on to seal the relationship between police and the queer community for decades to come. So, when gay men began being murdered and bashed in homophobic attacks, the Vixens Motorcycle Club decided it was up to them to do something about it. Well, let's just for a moment take a historical step back before the 80s and 90s and we'll come up to that. Um, we had, you know, of course, the first gay and lesbian Mardi Gras parade on the streets in 78, and that fostered the culture, the emerging culture, with the police and um, how it was going to be for, you know, probably the next 10 years. So we're looking 78 down to 88. What do you mean, that relationship with well, the police? Well, the police were not very friendly. You know, they were throwing people in jail left, right and centre, um, there were, there was, you know, a lot of police brutality in um, gay and lesbian circles. If anybody, for instance, if a gay man had to report uh, a bashing or anything, the police just clearly didn't care, didn't, you know. In fact, their, their first question is, well, what did you do to, um, you know, to bring that on? The gay rights movement experienced rapid changes in the 1970s, including the decriminalisation of homosexuality in many Australian states and culminating in the turbulent Mardi Gras of 1978. As violence against gay and lesbian people increased in the 1980s, groups were forced to come up with ways to protect the community. 
The anti-violence project worked tirelessly to protect people. It set up the Whistle Project, where people could pick up a whistle from places like the AIDS Council of New South Wales to use if they were attacked. The whistle would either attract people's attention for help or would hopefully deter attackers. First, only gays and IV drug users were being killed by AIDS. But now we know every one of us could be devastated by it. The Grim Reaper television ad still sends a shiver through many men in the gay community and through its frightening imagery, terrified most Australians. The haunting image of a Grim Reaper bowling down ordinary heterosexual Australians, including children, led to a lasting misunderstanding and fear of HIV and stigma for those that live with the virus. Culture on the street, I mean, it was, a, it was juxtaposed by this fantastic community culture and of course juxtaposed by the AIDS epidemic. So on on one hand we were, you know, celebrating our visibility and a lot of people were coming out left, right and centre. But of course, you know, around the 85, 86 point we started looking at the devastation of AIDS and just how um just just how sad that was. Um, but that brought the community together uh, like, I, like I'd never seen, really. But there was still there was still a lot of, you know, for all the sadness that was around, there was still, still a lot of celebration. Uh, it was just fantastic. And to me, it seemed like everybody knew everybody. But when, when the chips were down, really, we were one big community. Uh, my name is Gary Wotherspoon. I used to teach history. The AIDS thing really brought back together the lesbians and gay men. And so that was very important then. And then by the time um, the violent stuff started to surface, I think it was very important that the Vicks set up a, a, a patrol to round the uh, Oxford Street area to look after us. Mm. And it was very, very enlightening to see lesbians in leather on bikes driving around looking after us. Sydney has what it calls the Golden Mile or Gay Ghetto, a long road that runs through several inner city suburbs along Oxford Street. To this day, it's filled with bars and businesses catering to the queer community. The famous Mardi Gras parade starts in Oxford Street before turning at Taylor Square. Back in the 1980s, it was an essential mecca for a discriminated community. And while Oxford Street was generally a safe space for queer people to hang out, it was that lonely walk home at night into the side streets near Oxford Street where gay men were most vulnerable. You're aware that if you went off Oxford Street mm. into the lanes and things on your way home, that could be dangerous because the poof bashes were there. Knowing that the police were not doing much to stop the violence, Nora and the Vixens decided to do something about it. Incredible amount of bashings, mm. primarily because of the AIDS epidemic and the, the grim reaper thing. So uh, the people who didn't know any better, you'd find busloads of boys that would come, you know, 12-seater busloads of boys coming in for a um, Bucks night at the Cross, for instance. So on their way home, they'd come down Oxford Street on a Friday and Saturday night and be hanging out going, ah, oh, fucking poofers, fucking faggots, you know, fucking, you know, just screaming out obscenities. The police weren't very visible on the streets at the time, but the, the bashings became more and more. 
and enter Vixen's Motorcycle Club. We'd been hearing about these bashings all the time and I, I decided to put it to the to the women to say, well, you know, we're, the, the majority of us are out on the street on Fridays and Saturday nights anyway. Mm. Why don't we, you know, form this little sort of patrol mm. and just, you know, ride around the streets and see if we can, um, see if we can, you know, just spot anything that might be, you know, a, emerging danger or whatever. How many of you would patrol? Oh, about between four and six at a time. And what were you we doing? We had sort of like a roster. We even got a little roster going. Uh, we were just, we might be out at, the, you know, at Gilligan's and then every sort of hour or so we'd jump on our bikes and just, just go for a little ride around the back streets. And it was more about visibility and, and you know, if you'd see six Harley Davidsons, you know, down the road, coming down the road with um, big butch dykes, <laughs> you know, you tend to take notice. <laughs> were you ever scared? No. Why not? I mean... We were, we were strong in numbers. Hmm. Um, and these people were just, just bullies and cowards, really. You know, oh. they they were opportunistic. And if, and if there was no one around and they had the opportunity to walk past a gay man in the street and beat the shit out of him, well, they would. We went down Boundary Street and there was a guy walking by himself and probably 20 yards back there were three three guys who had who were just walking and we could we could tell I, I, I drove past really really slowly they didn't really know that they weren't suspicious as to who we were so they didn't really notice but it, we went past pretty slowly and by the time we had turned around gone down the bottom turned around they had actually caught up with him and they were pushing him, you know, like, you know, and pushing, pushing him up against the fence. So I just rode, I just dropped a gear and rode my Harley Davidson right on, you know, right onto the footpath. And I went, what the fuck's going on here? And they, well, like I said, they were, they were scared rats. They weren't tough. They were just, they were just young boys who mm. were just, you know, kick them in the bum and they'd go home. With time, it became clear the Vixens' patrols were working. The success of the patrols also came with the change of leadership at the local police station. Nora decided to meet the new police commander, who, it turned out, actually wanted to clean up the Forces Act and end the homophobic violence. The Vixens' success led to police giving the group a set of walkie-talkies that would pick up police radio so that the women could respond quickly to any reports of violence. Eventually, in 1990, the police set up its own mobile police station on Oxford Street to not only deter violence, but to build a sense of trust within the community. Even though the Vixens physically stopped about 10 attacks in total, Nora is very clear that the Vixens saved the lives of countless gay men. But indirectly and through visibility, the entire community, yeah. because it, it went down to almost zero. And just the visibility on the street just made it, you know, that they were now too, kind of too scared to come. Gary Wotherspoon is pretty succinct when it comes to the legacy of the Vixens and their patrols. The Dykes just said, look, someone's got to look after these queens. Look, I think... Um, these days, the Mardi Gras parade is a pale imitation of what it was. And for me, the best part, vroom, 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 the beginning, 
the dykes on bikes and the, the crowd, the response of the crowd to that. And we all must remember that once upon a time, they were there to protect us. I've been Shannon Powell. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rainbow Riots Radio. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you like to download your podcast from. See you next time. Rainbow Riot, Rainbow Riot, Rainbow Riot. Radio.